Thank you. Good job. <laughs> so, for the past month or so, we have been diving into a very loaded word. And that word is comfort. And our conversations have been revolved around our need for God to be our ultimate source of comfort. And we've been unpacking what that looks like when it's lived out in our lives. Now, before we get too far, I wanted to share that this series has been very beneficial to me. Us diving into Scripture and us examining God's heart and mission uh, in be, us being comforted has allowed me to shift my focus from what I thought comfort was, how I perceived comfort and how I wanted to obtain it, and to what God, to what God really means when he, he calls us to experience comfort in him. Now, Bob kicked off things and he shared that he is not a person who is naturally, um, he naturally receives and dishes out comfort well. It's not a natural thing for him to be comforted by others. I, on the other hand, have a different approach. When it comes to being comforted, I take more of a more please type of mentality. I'm very uncomfortable being uncomfortable. And the only thing that you need to do to prove that to be an undeniable fact is to watch me on a roller coaster. I'm going to be transparent and vulnerable with you right now because I trust you. I, a 28-year-old bearded man, am terrified of roller coasters. Worlds of fun is not worlds of fun for me. That is worlds of anxiety and fear. I can't tell you how many times as a kid I went with my family to worlds of fun only to wait in line for a really long time for a roller coaster, only to get to the cart and then shimmy all the way across the cart to the other side. It's like, oh, Matt's going to ride the Mamba. No, he isn't. <laughs> you know how embarrassing that is? My wife, Britt, eventually found this fun fact out about me. And one of the most memorable um, experiences that we've had together, uh, we, went to, we went on a trip to Orlando, Florida, to Disney World and Universal Studios. While at Disney World, she decided to book in advance a ride, a, a ride on what is something called Space Mountain. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Is that some, some sort of planetarium? No. No, it's not. You want to know what it is? It is an indoor roller coaster in the dark. Yeah, let's do that. And since she signed up for it, since we signed up for it in advance, we had to go. Because I don't know if you know about this. Uh, at Disney World, the main attraction is waiting in line. If you, if you are able to fast pass something, you've got to go, you gotta go for it, or else the rest of your experience will just be waiting in line like this. So I grudgingly made my peace with the fact that I was going to do this. And as we make our way to the ride, I just start sweating bullets. I got my game face on. I'm completely silent. I'm trying to prepare myself for this awful experience that I'm about to endure. And Brittany, like always, is just as bubbly as usual. Oh my gosh, this Matt is going to be so excited. I'm like, not now. <laughs> this is no time for fun. 
I'm running through all the possible questions and scenarios that are going on. Uh, how big's the drop going to be? How many, how many drops will there be? Uh, will I get the butterfly tickling sensation in my stomach? The struggle is real, people. This is what I'm going through in the midst of this experience. And we get on the ride, and the ride takes off, and we're whizzing through the dark, twists and turns. There's exciting space sounds going on around me. And I'm just stone-faced the entire time. I'm just like... And I'm just taking each turn as it's, I'm just white-knuckling it, trying to get through this. And it was very apparent that I was not having a good time in the after-ride photo. <laughs> Britt, she's in the front of the car. She's just like, woo! And I'm just like... <laughs> it was rough. And there wasn't any drops the whole time. There wasn't any drops. That's what I'm most scared of. There wasn't any drops on the ride, so I always felt like I was robbed. It was actually pretty cool. But at the experience, it was very uncomfortable for me. Now, on the other hand, we later found a roller coaster that was a little bit more my speed. We went to the Harry Potter world, which was awesome. And this here is me. And Jake Davis was there. He shows up sometimes. You might know this. This is me and Britt and Jake on a ride called the Flight of the Hippogriff. And this ride was awesome awesome talk about a roller coaster that thing whoo that thing had rises and falls and drops in the level of like four or five feet it was awesome it reached like like a max speed of like nine miles an hour whoo what a rush and i'm and i'm i'm all about i'm just getting i'm just like yeah this is awesome hey everybody whoo i'm hands up in the air it's like cool running so it was amazing right Who's, got, who's a Jamaican bobsled fan in this room? Yeah, you got it. I was feeling it. Now, on a serious note, we're going to step off the amazing hippogriff roller coaster. And I wanted to tell you that how I handle myself on roller coasters reminds me of how I respond in uncomfortable times in my life. Oftentimes, my response when I am uncomfortable is, I don't like this, I want out. My view of comfort is synonymous with taking it easy and is accurately defined as not being bothered by anything. My ultimate comfort will be found if I remove myself from something hard and I pursue something more pleasant. And that is about as far from the comfort that God, from the comfort that Jesus is offering. That is why this sermon series has been so challenging and good for me. It's allowed me to shift my focus from cheap substitutes and escaping. These are futile things that are just merely numbing, that merely numb and distract me. And now my eyes are focusing on what God is offering in the midst of hard times. And so far, we've kind of unraveled. Um, I don't know if this is intentional, but I've kind of picked up on this. We've kind of unraveled the who, what, when, where, and how of God being our ultimate source of comfort. Who is our ultimate comfort? God alone. And we've unpacked his, um, his title of God of all comfort and the Father of compassion. What is our comfort? We're talking about biblical comfort. This isn't God switching on the make everything easy uh, switch, but in the midst of it all, he is strengthening us and encouraging us through it. When are we comforted? We talked about when we're comforted when we mourn, when we have godly sorrow. 
And this is not like when the Chiefs lost the AFC championship. I know that was tough. But God comforts us when our hearts break for what breaks his heart. And a lot of times that shows up when we feel the weight of our own sin. Where are we comforted? In the midst of the struggle. God doesn't just take us out of it and call that comfort. He is in it with us in the midst of the mess. His presence is there. And we talk about how God comforts us. He comforts us through, his, uh, through him disciplining us in love and us, as Justin said last week, us casting our anxieties on him. Today we're going to kind of double dip on the who and start to unpack a very important why. As we jump in, we're going to be taking a look at Jesus' words in the book of John in chapter 14. Now, I'm not going to ask you to um, look for that in your pew Bible, because what we're going to do is we're going to be reading from, uh, today from the King James Version. Um, so, um, if it sounds a little bit different, if it sounds um, a little bit Shakespearean, I'm right there with you. We're going to take it slow. But the reason we're doing this is because there's some important um, wording that I want us to pay attention to. Now this, uh, John chapter 14, starting in verse 15, take place on the night before Jesus is crucified at uh, what we know as the Last Supper. And what Jesus has already done is started to unpack some really tough things for the disciples to hear. Um, he has said things like he's going to be betrayed by his friends. He is going to be um, turned over to the Roman soldiers and crucified and everybody's going to leave him. So that has left his disciples feeling very distraught. It says... If ye, uh, this is Jesus uh, talking, if ye, love me, if you, ye love me, keep my commands, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And this is the first time that Jesus speaks to his disciples regarding this third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And there's so much to unpack. Uh, we, last summer, we spent a whole sermon series examining and discussing the character and role of the Holy Spirit. But here's what I want us to really dive in and focus on. The fact that first and foremost, Jesus' introduction to the Holy Spirit, talking to his disciples, involves a very pointed title. Jesus introduces to his disciples the Holy Spirit with the title Comforter. Now I want to kind of flip this around and ask you all. If you're, if you're hearing this from Jesus for the first time, uh, if you can put yourself in uh, at that table with Jesus, or you're hearing it for the first time now, that term comforter, the title that Jesus leads off with in explaining the Holy Spirit, what, what does that mean? What, why is that important? What are some things that might have stirred up in the disciples or stir up in you when he gives the Holy Spirit the title comforter? So I just want to hear, about you, hear from you and see what any of you all think. Nick Kodeman. Sure. 
Yes. So if he's leading off with, hey, there's a comforter coming, there's a reason for that comfort to, to be needed. Absolutely. Thank you. Gary. Yes, thank you. So the fact that this title of comforter is given, given to the Spirit who is not going to be distant, but is going to be present with us. Awesome. That's amazing. DJ. Absolutely. Absolutely. God is, game, God is not leaving us just feeling not like we're not prepared for what's going to happen. As we follow him and as we keep his commands, he's going to give us the means to do that. Awesome. I love this title that he gives, that he gives the Holy Spirit as he promises that he is going to show up. It makes me think that that is his primary mission, the Holy Spirit. That is what he is coming to do. He is coming to comfort us. First and foremost, that is what we need. Like we said, like I said, um, prior, he has unpacked a whole lot of hard things. And on their own, they're not going to be able to um, shoulder all of that. They are going to need a comforter. Now, who is this Holy Spirit? That is going to be coming to comfort us. Um, Jesus makes it explicitly known that this is not some junior varsity spirit. This is not some Shasta brand deity that we're going to be dealing with. Some supporters of Shasta over here. Awesome. No. Jesus uses the word another. I know that's not might not seem super, super noticeable, but he uses the term another. And in the Greek, that is aulos, which means exactly the same. One Bible translator expounds upon this and impacts what Jesus is saying. And for the life of me, I could not find the name of the person who is responsible for this, but I do know that they must have been wicked smart. So we're going to go ahead and dive into what he is saying when he is going to send another comforter. What he is saying is, I will pray to the Father and he will send you someone who is just like me in every way. He will be identical to me in the way he speaks, the way he thinks, the way he operates, the way he sees things, the way he does things. He will be exactly like me in every way. If the Holy Spirit is here, it will be just as if I am here because we think, behave, and operate exactly the same. Jesus is sitting at his at the table with his disciples, and he is saying, as much as you see me with you, as much comfort as you are experiencing with me living next to you, more comfort will come with me living in you. Jesus makes it very clear to his disciples that I am not leaving you. I will not leave you comfortless. And in your pew Bibles, it says, I will not leave you as orphans. I love that. The father of compassion will never abandon his children. He will never, he will always be there for, to comfort the ones that are so dear to him. So why? 
this whole thing that we've been talking about, we're kind of, we've, we haven't really expound, expounded upon the why. why. What is God's ultimate goal, his ultimate purpose and mission for this comfort initiative that we've been talking about? Why such a great effort to send us, his followers, a comforter that is exactly like him? Why is it so important to God that we are comforted by him and him alone? Now, to answer that, I am going to ask you to open your few Bibles, or open the Bibles that you have, uh, to John chapter 16. And we're going to be starting off right at the beginning at verse 1. Now, as you're finding your place, Jesus continues to speak about the promise of sending his Holy Spirit. And what, and like what Nick was saying, there is going to be a reason why you are going to need to be comforted. John 16, starting in verse 1. Very short, but very profound verse. Jesus says to his disciples, All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. From the beginning of Jesus' ministry, his invitation has been and, has, and will always be, follow me. Follow me to life and life to the full. Follow me to the forgiveness of your sin. Follow me to freedom. Follow me and you will see the blind receive sight, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the dead rise. And he invites us to follow me, follow me to the cross, follow me to lay your life down for others as I did for you. Now that sounds amazing, but not always comfortable. You feel me? Rarely is that comfortable. And hear me now, God wants every good thing for you and every blessing possible for you. But what he wants more than anything is for you to be with him and not fall away. If you are experiencing a season of calm, or I've really always known that, then praise God, but that's not the rule. That's not the guarantee. The guarantee from Jesus' words is, in this life you will have what? Trouble. Not an if. It's a when. That is why he promises the Holy Spirit as our comfort, because following Jesus is going to be hard. Whether it's dealing with our own sin or dealing with persecution, there is going to be something that is going to check us and rock us. And we cannot do it on our own strength and good intentions. Those things are not good enough. They're not going to be good enough to handle all the things that life is going to throw at us. If that's you, you will fall away. And as Jesus is talking, one of the individuals that is leaning in and soaking up all these promises is a man named Peter. And for a moment, I want to chat with you about him. Because his story is a great, and amazing example of this being all too true. Peter, being a very bold and outspoken disciple, if you know anything about Peter, and he was one of Jesus' closest friends. And he, all these things being true about him, he had a very tough time of trusting and staying committed to following Jesus. And he even talked a big game. He even said, hey, Jesus, I am never going to leave you. A few, few chapters back, he boldly proclaims, I will never leave you even if everyone else 
deserts you, I will stand strong. Even to the point of death, they will have to kill me before I turn away. And what happened? As Jesus predicted, before that very morning, Peter would get scared and deny three times that he even knew Jesus. And like the rest of his disciples, when it came too much, when it became too much for him in the Garden of Gethsemane, when persecution showed up, what happened? Just like the other disciples, it got too real, and he turned and ran for the hills. Now, guys, for a second, doesn't that give you an opportunity to just breathe? To know that the very first Christians, the people who lived and walked with Jesus, people who were quick to view as superheroes of our faith, at one point ran. If you've gotten to a point where you feel like this is too much, if you've gotten to a point where you feel like God, like, feel like following God is too hard, then every character, every person in the, listed in the Bible would respond with a resounding, yep, been there. That is why we need a comforter. That is why we need someone to comfort us beyond our own strength and understanding. The Holy Spirit is the only way we can live the life that God has called us to. Now, through, God, uh, through God's grace, Peter was redeemed. Through God's grace, um, Peter found that the, Holy, the need for the Holy Spirit in his life, um, in, after receiving the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, the same Peter, the same guy that was plagued by cowardice and ran away from uh, persecution, by the end of his life, Peter boldly followed Jesus and proclaimed and preached Jesus as Lord Lord of the world and Lord and Savior of the world, even to the point of being crucified himself. Even to the point of being crucified and says he's crucified upside down. Not a comfortable ending for Peter, but he would say it was a good one. Now what else could have taken this man and bring him to a point of, from a point of fear and denying that he knew Jesus to a point of boldly preaching and following Jesus to the point of death. It had to be the work of something greater than him living inside of him. It had to be the work of the Holy Spirit making its home in Peter, comforting, encouraging, and strengthening him. Now, the Holy Spirit's um, comfort was evident in the life of Peter, but it should also be evident in our lives as well. When we are in the midst of struggle, if the Holy Spirit has made its home in us, then our words and actions will display that to be true. Now, to tease this out a little bit, I want to kind of ask the question that we've kind of touched on uh, the first week of this is, what is on the tip of your tongue when an uncomfortable situation arrives, when the uncomfortable occurs? Now, this is not like a stepping on a Lego situation. This is like real, real discomfort that has left you feeling like you've been shot. When circumstantial comfort is far from you and you're left in a place where you are shook, what is quick to come out of your mouth? I ask you this because in Scripture it says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. So 
So what comes out of your mouth when the temperature, the heat is turned up in your life? We talked a few, a few weeks ago about is praise be on the tip of your tongue in all circumstances. And here when I say this, if Christ's Holy Spirit has taken up residence in us and we choose to live out of the comfort and power that he provides, then our response cannot help but be worship and praise to God in, to- in times of rejoicing and when we mourn. Now, this is not because God uh, helps us rationalize what we're going through. This is, the, this is not because uh, it's not the Holy Spirit leaving us with saying, well, I guess it could be worse, praise be. No. Praise be because he is with me. Praise be because he loves me. Praise be because he is strengthening me and encouraging me. Praise be because he died for me. Praise be because he will never leave me, even if, even if I don't feel it. Praise be that his promises are true. Praise be that he offers me life and life to the full. Now, if worship and praise is your go-to response in all circumstance, then it is evident the Holy Spirit is at work in your heart and has taken up residence in you. Now, this is something that is noticeable to other people. There are people in this room, friends of mine in this room, that have gone through or in the midst of very tough seasons in their life. And in the midst of all that, it would be understandable for them to be overwhelmed and be quick to feeling like they want to turn away because it's too hard. But in the midst of that, it is in full view that the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in their heart and they are strengthened and bold and boldened to carry on. And to those people who have that testimony, I just want to say thank you. Because your faith, your story is attractive and it is contagious. You inspire thirst of the Holy Spirit in other people. And I just want to say thank you. In the midst of what you're going through, thank you for holding fast to the promises of Jesus and being comforted by his Holy Spirit because it is noticeable. Now, if you're sitting in the sanctuary and this does not really describe you, if you're kind of figuring, trying to still figure out uh, this whole Jesus thing, I want to say I'm super glad that you're here and it's not a mistake. It's not an accident. I do need to tell you that it is only when we say yes to surrendering our lives and having a saving relationship with Jesus will we ever be able to experience true comfort. It is when we lay down our yes will the Holy Spirit take up residence in our heart. And we can read the same scripture. You can sing the same, same songs about the comfort that God offers But apart from a saving relationship with Jesus, there will be no real comfort. If we choose to live apart from a relationship with Jesus, then we, are, we live void of the comfort that we need. We are left empty. Are you empty? Is it just you trying to buck up and shoulder it all on your own strength? What's on the tip of your tongue if that's true for you? Probably, you've probably said these words before like I have. I'm fine. Oftentimes I find myself in this category, and it's a scary place to be. Having a heart void 
of the comforting power of the Holy Spirit leads us to pursuing cheap comforts that merely uh, cheap comforts of escape and distraction, and that leads us that often leads us to a whole mess of sinful, destructive, and many times addictive behaviors. And I want to share with you one last verse uh, with you from the book of Matthew, and I'll put it up on the screen. These are Jesus's words expressing the dangers of a heart unoccupied by the Holy Spirit. It says, Jesus says, When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest, and it does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house I left. When, when it returns, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked in itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse, is worse than the first. To leave ourselves open, to leave ourselves empty is to leave ourselves open to an enemy that comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And if that if that is who is at home in you then that has to explain, if you are tested, if you're in the midst of struggle, that what is on the tip of your tongue might be bitterness, resentment, and anger. Your words might quickly become explosive accusations against God in the form of, are you kidding me? Or I've said this, really? Or flat out, this is bull. So who is at home in you? Right here, right now, if you're sitting in the pews listening or if you're viewing on Facebook, who is at home in you right now? Who is moving and guiding your responses when you face times of trouble? Now, as we close things today, as we wrap up uh, this morning, I want to give you some time and space to do something that I feel is very necessary. I want to give us a moment as the band uh, makes their way uh, back up to the stage to lead us one more song. I want us to give, a ch- give us a chance to really honestly examine our hearts and ask ourselves the question, who is at home in me? Can you confidently say that, the, at, that God's Spirit is providing you with the ultimate comfort you need? If the answer is no, then I want to tell you that God's promise does not expire. He died so that he can give you this gift. And he stands fully alive today at the right hand of Jesus, or at the right hand of his Father. And he desires to be fully alive in you today. And if you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I'm not really going through any struggles or hard times right now, so I'm off the hook. No. Don't wait for things to get bad before you start seeking the Holy Spirit. Seek him today in the season of calm so that His ultimate comfort will be your strong foundation if and when the storm hits. Thank you, guys. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I just thank you so much for your promises and that your promises are true. Lord, this gift that you've given us, this you've given us yourself. You've given us the Holy Spirit, and he is our comforter. 
Lord, help us seek the Holy Spirit daily. Lord, help us know that he is alive in us. Lord, he desires to strengthen us and encourage us beyond our own strength and understanding is the only way that we can live the life that you've called us to. Lord, help us invite the Holy Spirit. If we are empty today, Lord, I pray for any person in this room uh, that is void, their heart is void, there's no one at home, Lord, I pray that you make make your home in them, Lord. Lord, it is the only way that we can do this without falling away. Uh, Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this time that you've given us. We thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, it's in your name I pray. Amen.